Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. We are live on loudmouthradio.com. And today, in spite of everything, we're going to profess that today is a fantastic Friday. We're on your airwaves today. And this episode, week, this week's episode 14, um, on our Freedom Friday conversation, we're going to have some real conversation today, guys. So, unfiltered, unresisted. Real conversation, and uh, I've had to let this song, which uh, if you follow Loudmouth Radio for a long time, from the very beginning, um, we made a soul connection to DJ Black Coffee, um, our South African DJ Prince, who uh, a lot of times saves our souls because there's so much chaos going on in the world, and today 
I felt the need to have to play We Are One in its entirety um, to allow our brothers and sisters around the world to hear that in order for us to, to be able to pull it together and to be one, that that's exactly what we have to do, and we have to do it in love. So I will tell you that uh, we are broadcasting live, and you can follow us on social media. You can um, talk to us online. I'm going to open up our online chat box. So if you're at work and you can't talk, but you do want to listen and you do want to comment, we're going to open that up so you have the ability to communicate with us online. And how you're going to do that is you're going to go to blogtalkradio.com and you're going to put the backslash with Loudmouth Radio, L-O-U-D-D-M-O-U-T-H, Loudmouth Radio. And that will allow you the ability to speak with us in our chat room and as well as on our studio line, which is 347-826-7520. So I'm going to open up to allow um, my co-host, Sterling Powell, to uh, come on in. And uh, Sterling, welcome, sweetheart. It's, it's good to know that you're able to pick good up the morning, call Good today. morning. Um, How are you? I, I, am, I am fantastic because I'm on this side of the ground. And no matter what we're dealing with in in the world and in our own personal lives, you know that as long as we're standing, is it's a fantastic day. And um, we're in a, we're we're just getting rain in here in downtown St. Petersburg just as the show begins, so it's okay. a little drizzly. But other than that, like I said, it's a, you know, other than you know. You know, Sonny, you and I talk, and Jazzy, we all talk about, you know, so many different subjects. And when we talk that it's a fantastic day, even with all the problems in our world, and we're going to get into all of that today, and hopefully we'll get our listeners to join in a conversation, because I feel a lot of people want to talk about the issues going on in the world with all the violence and everything going on. It's still, as long as you're on this side of the ground, it is a fantastic day. I am so blessed to be alive, and I am just happy. And like I said, it's a fantastic Friday. Absolutely. I thoroughly agree. And, um, you know, for all of those who are, you know, tuning in for the first time, if you listen to us on a regular basis or here and there whenever you can, we appreciate you guys. We want to tell you thank you sincerely um, for taking the time to tune in. And those who may not listen to this show live, our archives are available. And um, so you know how to connect with us. Let me share with you how to connect with us. We are directly available always at com. And all of our content we stream through Blog Talk Radio, which will archive every single show that we've done from the very beginning, as well as iTunes, um, TuneIn, which is an app that allows you to download the app and, and, and stream through your devices. Over 50 million active users are on TuneIn, as well as Stitcher Radio, where we have over 5 million in-car dashboard listeners and 25 million handheld devices, whether it's an iPad, iPhone, or Android device. So... Um, I also want to recognize that and our personal, uh, you know, normally, and our, oh, and our personal show does reach thousands of people through all these channels. Whether you're listening to us today live uh, with us on your phone or online, 
We are now reaching thousands every week, every month. And so please every let day. know about every day, yeah. And and so yes. let people know uh, that we're doing this. We'd love to expand to more days of the week, but we have to get it out there between you guys, our listeners, and our advertisers. So uh, that's a, remember, that's an important, always an important part. You hear about it during this campaign, you know, about the crooked media from the orange hair dryer, Donald Trump, which is the only time I'm going to mention his name during the show. The rest of the time I'll refer to him as the orange hair dryer. Um, and, but he always talks about it because paid <laughs> media Paid media is out there, and we have to pay. You know, we got to pay to be on these on these different uh, venues, and um, you know, we have to eat too. Even though I'm on even though I'm even though I'm on the South Beach diet at the moment, I still have to. That actually, diets end up being more costly than eating like junk food. I, I, we can get into that later, too, because I'm Absolutely. telling you, I'm on this South Beach diet, and it's costing me more money than if I just went out and bought ramen noodles. <laughs> exactly. Well, I wanted to, to, to definitely uh, let our listening audience know that today, normally our Fantastic Friday consists of myself, uh, Jazzy, and Sterling, and for those who may or may have not uh, followed or kept up with things, you know, our co-host, who's also my wife, um, has been um, been very ill, and, um, you know, we ask that you keep her in our prayers. Um, and I'm so grateful for her strength and her transparency because she advocates and speaks transparently about, you know, living with mental illness, bipolar disorder in particular. And, you know, as we can see, look what's going on around us. So you multiply that on top of 5,000. Um, and, you know, so a lot of the things that have taken place and happening personally, sociably, across the world has just really over, overwhelmed her. So she will not be on today. Um, we do have a special correspondent, Dr. Danny Harris, uh, who's also a former police officer that's going to take part in some of our conversation today. And, and Danny, I see you. We're going to bring you in in just a second. Um, and we're also going to have a few other people that are going to call in and speak on today. We're going to talk about quite a few things. Um, so uh, I, I do want to recognize all of those that have been sending your prayers, that have been telling us, you know, we're standing with you. Um, if you hadn't had an opportunity, you know, follow us on Facebook. Um, I've actually posted some videos uh, this week in co- correspondence to, you know, the things that we've been going through in the world at large, which is, um, you know, certainly a part of our conversation. I'm going to go ahead and bring Danny in with us, too. Um, good morning, Danny. Welcome to Live Off Radio. Good morning. Um, good morning, I, Danny. I, I, good morning. Good morning. I hope y'all can hear me okay. I'm actually uh, in the car right now, riding out, but uh, I got another radio show to do at 11.50. So thank you guys for having me on this morning as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, guys, we're going to dive right on in and, and kind of talk about what's happening right now because I know we'll have Danny for about a good 30 minutes. Um, you know, Sterling, you know, I know that from your end all the way across the spectrum, uh, the pro- police brutality, um, the activity that's happening around our world is chaotic. Um, and it's getting to a point where the paranoia and fear is running rampant. 
And um, at this point in time, you know, for us to continue to act in fear is not going to be the way to resolve or to, you know, to, to further expand awareness of nonviolent, nonviolent practices. You know, we have to do things in love, and that means coming together as a unified front. So I'm going to open up the floor uh, for you guys, and I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to tell my audience right now. I know y'all probably hear it. Normally I'm upbeat, and and you know, and I know you probably hear a lot of the pain in my voice right now. And I'm trying my best to uh, just continue to you know to keep and talking, but I, I cannot pretend that right now I, I don't feel you know what I'm feeling. So we're we're very transparent here. So Sterling, Danny, you guys can. Funny, I want to let people know that when we were talking about Jazzy, I want the reason we are transparent and we are open with this. This, you know, mental, especially like bipolar, is not something that is just suffered by a handful. We're talking about at least three or three to five million people. Right, one out of four four Americans. That's right. Have, have this in their family and or suffer from it. It is a huge, you know, along with all the other things that, you know, when we're taught we're going to get into the violence in the world, I just wanted people to realize that we know that bipolar disorder and mental disorder touches so many people in this country, and most people won't talk about it. You know, it's just like Absolutely. years ago. My, um, just real quick. As my mother taught the mentally retarded children many, many years ago, and I know that when her, she had a girlfriend that had a mentally retarded child, and to get the people into the schools, and we're talking in the late 1940s and 50s, my mother got into this. They went into the houses, and these children were living in the attics, hidden away. In this country, for some reason, if you're not picture perfect, almost like an Olin Mills picture or a J.C. Penney's picture, which half the people don't even know those stores anymore, if they, if you're not picture perfect, you know, is that you're hidden away back in the closet, as to say, as in our community, as the LGBT community, you're stuck away in the closet. But this happens with exactly. mental illness. This happens with drug abuse and gender, you know, gender issues. This country does not want to embrace publicly the ills that it has, and we have mm-hmm. to do that. It's tearing our country apart. And mental Ew. illness, uh, Daniel, I want to allow you to speak, but mental illness is playing a part in the activity of what you're seeing. You know, people just think that guns, guns don't shoot themselves. It's the people behind the gun. And there are people who are dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, bipolar disorder. People are, are dealing with pressures at work, pressures at home, and they don't know how to release and know how to balance or deal with these things. And some people are suffering in silence. So when we hear all of these violent, explosive mass shootings and all of the aggression and tendencies, you know, Danny, I know can speak from a law enforcement perspective. They see a lot on the street. So how do they release? How do they talk about, you know, where are the – the support systems in place for people to talk about their emotions and feelings and stresses and know that it's okay if you've fallen apart. So, Danny, go ahead, if you will, because I know we only got you for borrowed time. Um, so from the uh, police perspective, uh, the great thing about where I 
where I retired from, they were they were just coming around to the very supportive nature of dealing with mental illness. Themselves. You know, a lot of officers uh, do suffer from PTSD and trauma, <clears throat> the things that officers see day in and day out. It does affect them. So they came around to building a, a, a better system to making sure that police officers are taken care of. The other thing that the okay. uh, police department here did and this is, was is make this sure. And Atlanta? You're talking mm-hmm. more so, This right? is Atlanta Police Department, correct. Okay. But, but when okay. I say Atlanta, I mean, I know that it's a wave right now. So it's not just the city of Atlanta that's doing it. A lot of uh, police departments in Georgia, I know New York is doing that. I know California, a lot of the major departments and major cities are doing it as well. But they have this massive training of a week training where we actually go into these hospitals. We actually went into the VA hospital. We actually went into, um, you know, a home where where mentally ill people actually live and reside. And we were able to interact. We actually had one situation when I was in training where we actually had to de-escalate someone who was going through a crisis at that time. And I Mm -hmm. think that she suffered from schizophrenic, uh, you know. And that was very interesting because it was hands-on, but it gave us an awareness that we can't deal with mental illness the way we deal with people that are not mentally ill on the street. So, again, I, right. I applaud APD and, for doing that because we learned mm-hmm. to de-escalate the person, not right. and Danny, can I tell you what's amazing? Yes. Jazzy and, you know, for the last two years, Jazzy became a part of, she was a part of a documentary talking about bipolar disorder and that, you know, it was four ladies that came together to tell their stories and their perspectives. And one that was schizophrenia, you know, all three, all four of them had bipolar, but had different aspects of what the, the degree of their bipolar disorder. But what's amazing is they were selected to speak to the order of police, the fraternity order of police in a big uh, conference that was held in Savannah, Georgia last year. This was like either the year before uh-huh. or, or in the last year. And so what I, you know, I saw an amazement how Jazzy and these other three women would talk and tell police, uh, police and law enforcement how to de-escalate and how to understand that, you know, this is an episode versus I'm just trying to harm and, you know, you know, deliberately harm somebody versus, you know, ill, as well as health practitioners and mental health, uh, you know, people that are working in the mental health fields, these nurses and doctors and stuff like that. So for them to be able to give that perspective and then, you know, it opened up them to go to uh, NAMI in D.C. at a national convention to also furthermore educate awareness from the perspective of the the individual living with bipolar and how to de-escalate. So your points are very important of what you just spoke on. Oh, definitely. Um, it's something that's definitely, uh, I'm glad that they're doing it. Yes. I want to say, I know some people we have to do Oh, yes. Danny, I wanted to ask something too. When you're talking about this is in the in the violence part, just real quick while we have them, is is the Atlanta Police Department where we're hearing all of this? Is it integrated with you know a fair amount of African American officers? And the white officers, as they're talking about how the, how big the gap is in some of the big cities where we have large African American communities, but the police force is still mainly white. Well, that's Atlanta not the one case. of the six. That's, is that's, Atlanta that's one not, of the, That's not the case okay. in Atlanta. Um, I don't know um, offhand what what it looks like demographically. I do know that it's uh, I would say uh, probably uh, down the middle. Um, as it relates to the demographics of black and white 
and other, I should say, black, brown, you know, yellow, everybody that, uh, that's together. It's, it's really, it's pretty diverse. It's very, as a matter of fact, it's very diverse as it relates it to is, Atlanta. It so, is. no, it's okay. not, it it's is. not well, a situation where we want, have well, more. <clears throat> yes. Well, while we had while we had you on the air, I just wanted because I want to talk about that as we get into you know main where we're not considered obviously Sunny and Jazzy and I are not really mainstream media I and mean, we'll talk about anything here, honey. Uh, is that when you listen to mainstream media, they play up this factor of this big divide. And I have been talking to several like I know here in. St. Petersburg, it is also, we have a very diverse uh, police force, and everything in two, um, as Sonny will tell you, we also have a huge LGBT, um, uh, you know, group inside of the police force here, representative of the community here as being a large part of our community. So it's African-American, LGBT, Asian, like you said, very diverse. And they don't play that up. I would, like to talk, I, would, oh. I would like to say that the part playing on uh, as it relates to that is even if you have a city where it's very diverse inside the police department, the issue is, is, is coming in with when you do have people that are not familiar with the areas in which uh, they are patrolling. They don't know the culture. They don't know the backgrounds mm-hmm. or, or how to interact. The, the issue is not how many, you know, how diversified the, the, the departments are. The issue is now becoming how educated are the officers in the communities that they work in. The other issue is how community-oriented are these officers before they're thrown into the street. That is, seems to be the trend across the nation, and I don't want to make the light of Atlanta. I'm talking about across the nation. We, have, we are mm-hmm. seeing that community policing needs to be brought back on a larger scale to a point where when we're on beat integrities or when we say beat integrity, that means when I go on my beat, I know their families. I know where they live. I see their kids running in the street. I could take them home because I know exactly where they go. You know, I mean, this is exactly. what I'm talking about as it relates. That seems to be the, the issue or bringing people into cultural backgrounds. The police academies, you know, do teach diversity in their academies, and I don't know a police academy that does not. The problem is it's very different when you're teaching somebody behind, you know, closed doors in a classroom setting, and then when you're putting them out there on the streets. That is a very different scenario because if you don't know how, uh, say, African-Americans or I, I like to say blacks, if you don't know how black people talk, their lingo, their culture, how they act, how they interact, which you may think is anger is not anger. That's their expression. Things like that, that is, seems to be more of the problem right now. If I'm bringing somebody into a community and I'm, I'm not understanding how they speak or their language, or, you know, their, their, their right. cultural language, that is the problem. And this is where – Police reform comes in that. This is where police training comes in that. And I don't mean training in the classroom. The training has to take place in the communities. These these That's are the right. things that, you know, we need to bring back on and, and, and help people understand. I don't believe that it's a necessarily a black and white issue on the streets. I think the media yeah. plays that up a lot. If you look exactly. at the numbers, the statistics way of police too officers. Much, way too much. If you look yeah. at the statistics of police officers in America, according to the the scenarios that we see on on the on the uh, radio and we see in the media and we see on TV, the number is extremely small. But mm-hmm. again, we buy into 
what we see, what's put in front because of us. Because that's what like, we put know, in front of us. You can that's only right. eat. You, you can in. only eat what you have. It takes it takes people who are educated or people to educate others that that is not the norm. It doesn't matter uh, how many people get killed. One too many. Somebody losing a, a father, someone losing a son, someone losing a sister, brother, you know, cousin, you know, a child. That's too many for me personally. But it happens um, in law enforcement across the country. Now we have to then take it and deal with the issue at hand. What is the situation, a black and white situation? It may very well be. It may very well not be. One of the hardest things to prove is bias. One of the hardest things to prove is racism. That's why we can't be screened right. for it when we're going through an academy. But what you can say is I see a lot of fear. Officers are afraid. Exactly. Community exactly. members, yep. community members dealing with police officers are afraid. I see a lot Everybody's of fear right now. Edge. Everybody's you know on edge. So if I'm on edge and I got a gun in my hand, I might be a little trigger happy. That doesn't mean exactly. that I'm actually racist. That just means I'm scared. So again, exactly. you know, we, I think we I, can sit and, and psychoanalyze every situation that has happened in the media. Now, I am hurt, mm-hmm. like everybody else is hurt. I'm hurt for the blue. Right. I'm hurt for the civilian side. I am hurting right now, and I know most of the country is hurting right now because, literally, this has to stop. But how do we stop it? I hear a lot of people talk about change. I hear a lot of people talk about unification. The problem is, you got 15 organizations doing the same thing in the same state. Why can't we bring those 15 organizations together for, under one umbrella? Why can't we just do that? Why can't we get five representatives from every state to the table? That's what my organization, Truth, and that's what Change, my Facebook group, Change is doing. We're going to bring five people from every state across the country to the White House. We're going to take them right to D.C. We're going to sit down, and we're going to come up with a master plan, a plan that we can go back and build up our communities again. And the community is not black. The community is all of us. It's not, it's not right. poor. Just poor. Exactly. It's all of us. It's not the inner cities. It's the suburbs too. The problem is pain right now. How do we address the pain, Sonny? I I am on your side when you say love, and I keep saying this. The only thing yeah. to combat hate and fear and pain is love. love. That's the only thing we That's can right. do. How do we do that? It takes it's not a black thing. It's away. not a white thing. We got to mm-hmm. unify. And unification looks like one thing. It's not a. It's not a color. You know what I mean? It's not a. It's not a. It's not a religion. It's, it's unification means it looks very different because everybody's under the same umbrella. Why can't we do that? Something that's never been done, I know that change is going to do that. We're going to bring these people together. We're going to come up with programs for the inner cities to build up the inner cities, uh, programs to deal with the police, programs to deal with community policing. You know, I got a petition going for reform, for, 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 for gun and, and training reform, because that's what the problem is with the law enforcement. But, again, that's not the Absolutely. big issue. There's, a, there's multiple issues that we need to deal with, and why can't we get together instead of having five organizations doing the same thing, having ten different marches in the same day? Why can't we just do one sit-down with the, with the leaders of these, of these states, bring them together, and say, hey, this is what we're going to do? Well, when you, well, you have know to, what? You... I was going to say, I'm sorry, uh, Sterling, I was going to say that is – the difference in which we see from now in the sixties, the civil rights. Yes. The, you know, our four our four our forefathers where they did come together, um yes. and, and, and to come together as one united front. I actually I'm gonna put this on the floor, Sterling and Danny and anybody else that's listening, if you guys wanna chime in, do you feel that it is intentionally happening that the outside over course of the media is doing desegregated things to further not allow uh, the unifi- unification of multiple groups. 
of multiple well, advocacies to come together. Well, I don't you think know, that's that, 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 Danny. Oh, go ahead, Danny. I don't think it's necessarily purposely done, meaning that's what they set out to do when they do it. I think that for years on end, we have played into the stereotypes of communities all across this nation. The problem is when you start to continuously do that, why is it that you have a, a, a victim and they, they happen to be black and you're going to find the mugshot to put up, but when, when it's a white you know, victim or a white you know, perpetrator, you find a different kind of picture. That is the way it's been. You know what I mean? It's not something right. that has has changed over time. That's the way it's always been. Now we're bringing light to it. Now we're saying, but that's not right. You know what I mean? And so that's not the way you're supposed to do it. You know, I don't. I, again, I don't think that every reporter goes out there with that in mind. I, and until you change the normal way of thinking, you're not going to have change. I see. I, I have to, in one sense, disagree because Sonny and and knows you don't know that I do come from mm-hmm. and, and and since working for mainstream organizations like NBC and the yeah. different newspapers and and you're and you're uh, Sonny's a, a liberal. You know, she's like one of us as a producer. But I've had produce. They want the ratings. The upstairs, right. the upstairs people, the administrators, mm-hmm. the CEOs, they want the ratings because they have to have, just like we just talked about, like I just talked about, you have to have the advertising dollar. And unfortunately, in this country today, when we have, so we have, remember, there's over 200 news shows going on at any given moment mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. country. And those people have to have eyes and ratings to be able to demand the money that they need to pay those people. And the mm-hmm. best way to do that, you and I both know it, is to excite fear and, and oh, excitement. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's where I'm not totally disagreeing with you, but I'm disagreeing. And, and the fact that they are inciting us because it incites the ratings. Well, they want to divide us. Drama cells. Huh? Drama cells. Yeah. Drama. You know that. Look, I mean, yeah. is anything oh, in this country? The fact that we are rehashing the O.J. Simpson trial, that, <laughs> right. you know, the fact that we have to put, the, that they allow those pictures of, of you know, of Nicole and Ronald on the air that are bloody mm-hmm. and grisly, the fact that they want to put that in front of those children and let people see that, it just shows you how macabre our society is. Right. You know, Absolutely. and that, and like you said, that it, you know, we need to look, embrace with love, and and I just don't understand it. And look at look at the orange hair dryer. I mean, he <laughs> does nothing but incite hatred. I mean, that's all. This this person, the louder he can incite hatred, the more people. Look, he just raised fifty one million dollars when he was almost broke. But the more noise he makes, the more, you know, the more, that's why I call him the orange hair dryer in the first place. But the more hatred <laughs> and the more stuff he spills out, and, and he's a swindler. 
This is a man that we we don't even get to look at his tax forms. We don't get he's in bankruptcy four times. The average person, if you and I went bankrupt and went out here and tried to talk people into going into business with us after being bankrupt four times, we would never get to do that. But this is yeah. a swindler, no more than Bernie Madoff. I mean, and and the fact that the two candidates from our major parties are both under investigation is a sad reflection of where this country is in the sense of politically. I mean, think about that. This is what we have politically when we have all, look, we have Bill Gates, we had Stephen Jobs, we have all, you know, we have, you know, all these talented people in Hollywood, and this is what we're getting offered as our leaders? <laughs> it's a Michael I mean, and Paul Ryan? That's what I have to look at as my leader? Oh, my well, listen, God. I want to open up our floor. Our listeners, you guys have been listening uh, just so diligently. If you would like to take part in a conversation, <laughs> hit the one on your keypad. We do. We got quite a few people that are listening, so if they want to say something, you can definitely chime on in. We're going to cut to a quick commercial break, and we'll come back, and we'll uh, continue to discuss the things that we're talking about. Yeah, so oh, we'll goody. take a quick commercial break. <laughs> You're listening to the Loudmouth Radio Network. Hi, my name is Carolyn McKenzie. I'm founder and president of Mental Health in the African-American Community. Suicide claims about 40,000 lives every year in the United States. Traditionally, African-Americans have felt that suicide wasn't as much of a problem as it is in other communities. However, a pattern has emerged among African-Americans that could contradict reports of low suicide rates among blacks. Mental Health in the African-American Community is a national nonprofit organization based in Stockbridge, Georgia. I started this agency because my niece had a mental breakdown and stabbed me and killed herself. We are doing something. Every Monday night, we have an open discussion called Let's Talk About It. Please come check us out at 125 Eagles Landing Parkway, Suite 121B in Stockbridge, Georgia. For more information, call 770-873-4496. That's 770-873-4496. Or visit our website, mhiaac.org, mhiaac.org. Insurance Associates Atlanta, formerly Mathis Insurance Services, is an independent agency offering personal, commercial, life, and health insurance products to meet the needs of your business and your family. We specialize in helping you protect all of your assets, whether you're purchasing insurance for the first time or searching for better products at a better price. Feel free to contact us at 770-483-0310. We're conveniently located at 1030 Remington Drive in Conyers, Georgia. Visit us online at insurance-iaa.com. You're listening to the Loudmouth Radio Network. Okay, guys, we're back from commercial break. We just want to take the time to allow our listening audience to connect with us. You can contact us at 347-826-7520. We are live in queue. Um, I'm hearing a little bit of feedback, so I don't know if um, I just brought in a listener um, who wanted to speak. So if you're on a speakerphone, please take it off speakerphone because it'll probably give us a little bit of a feed. But I want to welcome everybody back to Live Mouth Radio. It's Fantastic Fridays, and we're speaking on guns, police brutality, the political front, mental illness, and how it's affecting us as a as the world and a community at large. And this is definitely a pride, not prejudice conversation. So um, 
we got Dr. Danny Harris and Sterling's on with us. And um, uh, our, our co-host Jazzy is here with us in spirit. And, and uh, we thank everybody that's been tuning in and listening today. So, listener, you came in. Please tell us your name and let us know where you're calling from. Um, well, I'm Nikki Vasquez, and I'm used. I used to be a police officer. Um, I left the police force back in in, in 2003. Um, I'm. I have a. I have an issue. My wife and I. My wife told me uh, yesterday. She asked me a question, and I want to. I want to get you guys' views. She asked me yesterday. She said, "Babe, you know, maybe you should go ahead and go get a an, go get a an arm." Um, go get an um, a gun, you know, because of things that are going on. We have three, you know, we have three young um, young males of color. And I said, uh, I'm not in the mental capacity right now to go and get um, to get a firearm. I'm not there. Um, so I want to know, you know, from from you all's standpoint, um, what do you guys think about? The, the the community at large we have the opportunity for those who who have you know have, you know have permits to carry and things like that self analyzing themselves so that they don't go out and and purchase guns um how do you guys feel about um you know people going out and and analyzing themselves before purchasing a pistol or purchasing a gun well, Nikki, let Absolutely. me start right now and tell you uh, the, the sad. I, I agree on every aspect of what you're saying. The sad part is that there is quite a few people out here who is suffering from mental illness, who is undiagnosed or in denial. So um, that's where a lot of this immediate danger still lies, and the fear is what's pushing and propelling people to go and get guns and to pick up guns. Because they think that that's going to be the way to resolve the feelings and the irrational um, fear, you know, the things that they're that's really um, compressed or suppressed in their in their minds and in their hearts. And instead of speaking about and, and putting their feelings, emotions, fears, whatever else it is that's going on with them with with them in the forefront, right. they stay bottled up. That's why we have people in, yeah. that's, that's ill, you know? Exactly. And for me, I was a police officer that suffered from PTSD. You know, I, I suffered from PTSD. And when I realized that with the PTSD that I was suffering from, you know, from being a police officer, I put myself into early retirement and said, Hey, I have to, I have to get away from doing and doing this because I know what's bottled up inside of me and putting myself in a position right now, just like a lot of police officers have done that we, we get fearful and we hide behind our guns. And I don't want to be fearful and hide behind my gun because I know that at this point in my life right now and the things that are going on in the world, that it's not a it's not a protect and serve mindset anymore. Now it's a protect, 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 but it's just to protect me and my family. But there's it's not about just me and my family. It's about other families out there in this world as well. So I I, I told her I said this you know when we were talking about it I said you know for me I know that in my mind frame in my mind in my thought it's more about fear. And if you're starting to go out fearfully to protect 
you know, like a lot of these police officers are doing now, which is not a, not based on race, color, or creed. You know, everybody's dying. You know, white children are dying, black children are dying. Um, there, there, people are just dying. You know, and with that being, and with that mindset, it brings about a fear not only for police officers, but it brings about a fear for humans. You know, and regular citizens. And for that reason, it triggers something in our mind where we're we're afraid, and and fear begot fear. You know, I'm afraid, so I have to hurt you before you hurt me. And you know, those those things to me uh, all stem from a place of, you know, depression and emotional setbacks. You know, we we I, I never realized that I became a police officer because I wanted to protect and serve. Because as a child, no one protected and served me. No one protected me. So I became a police officer so that I could protect other people because I wasn't protected as a child, you know. So in in that mindset, if I don't know if 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 that's how people are are looking and viewing why they became the people that they are now, why they are standing, you know, standing to protect and to serve, then. You know why we have these situations that we have and that are arousing, but even in in more depth of mental and emotional and you know things like that. My kids they always wanted to be a police officer when they grew up because you know my oldest son he wanted to be a police officer, but he suffers from from depression. You know, so him wow. becoming a police officer would have would have added to the stigma that we have. Exactly, yeah. you know. So he he wanted to. He even when he became an auxiliary and all of that good stuff, but he also tried to kill himself. You know, right. more than one time. So sociologically, if if in the event that he would have met the height weight standards to become a police officer, look what kind of person they would have put behind a, a gun. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Know, you. they would have so given Danny, him a gun. Danny and, and, and Nikki, I got a question. Is there a extensive psychological evaluation done on on potential police officers? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. It is. Yes. Okay. Yes. Is, is there a medical record pool like you yes. know your absolutely. family now, your family now family yearly, they are, are the police does the police police force have anything I know both you guys are now removed but Danny you have been most currently a part of the force, but is there um, some programs that are, are, you know, like like let me tell you, like the NBA, the NFL, the NBA, prime example. These people are paid millions and millions of dollars as professional athletes, but the NBA requires that these players take part into community service. They're required to, you know, show up at certain things that the NBA as a team is doing in their prospective cities. So are the police forces in, 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 in small jurisdictions as well as maybe larger jurisdictions where they're implementing that all of their officers go through some type of psych evaluation or counseling, you know, and, 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 um, and mandating it? No. Only in, you know only, not only in, only in situations. Oh. Don't, only right. in situations like um, I was shot in, um, back in 2000. So when when I got shot, of course they they you know they they wanted me to go through psychological evaluation to find out exactly you know if I was in the mindset to continue on with my job. But had had I not been shot or had I not been involved in you know a big gang related um, massacre or you know situation, then then no there was there's no psychological evaluation. Only when something well, actually occurs. 
Well, that's the problem. The problem is that there's no ongoing psychological. You get a psych when you come in, but unfortunately, the stresses of the job changes every year. So with that Absolutely. being said, if they, if they do not implement a, a system, and I know that Atlanta, the, the city council has been trying to get that implemented and passed. Whereas everybody has to go through a psych every year. And that is the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is you go through one in the beginning and you may be absolutely okay. But now you're on exactly. the job. You're, you're, you're dealing with the stresses of the job. Something day in and happens. day out. Yeah. You shut, right. Something tragic ha- now, if something tragic happens, you do have to go through a psychological with Atlanta. That's they what make I'm saying. You go to one. But if you don't exactly. have that situation happen, just the pressures of the job alone is enough to get a psych every year. I'm if telling you don't you, implement exactly. that, how but can they you don't. say that these officers are mentally fit to keep their gun every year? You they, make sure they that they don't. fire on the firing range every year, but you don't make sure that their mental capacity to, to carry that weapon is they, That's not exactly. Good. They don't. That is they, the problem. What, what happens is they get you. What happens is they get you in the door. You have to go through all those evaluations. Now, when I when I went through all of my psycho my psych you know psychological evaluations, I was a young mother. You know, I was a young mother. I had young kids. You know, I was I was out trying to save the world. That was my mentality. But after five, six years into the you know into the game yeah. and the hustle and bustle, my spirit yep. started getting weak. My yep, emotions absolutely. started getting weak. My attitude started changing. My children yep. also. My children were like, Mom, every time we go outside, you like a detective. Where you going? Why you going? Where you going? You know, I was every time they turned around every. Yeah, they, I was paranoid for them, and and it got to a place where I was pretty much, have you ever passed a house where you see black windows, and everybody then covered it up with black uh, black sheets and, and, and trash bags and stuff. I was kind of like, that was my house. Like, I, I was in a fort, you know. So when I come home from work, I would shed. It was, it was a fort. You know, no one ever checked to see, okay, now she's been, you know, as a police officer for 10 years. Let's go back and see if her same mind frame of what she was thinking was exactly the same way it was 10 years ago. Oh, no, now she's into her 20, you know, 20 years. Let's go back and see if her same mind frame is come on. We were working three days on, three days off, seven days, you know, seven, um, 12 hours a day. It was not the same mind frame. You see a lot. Right. You You see a lot. And you know, even if uh, you're callers, not a part if, of if those you're in queue, I'm sorry, um, Nick. If you if you're a caller in queue, you want to speak, please hit the one on your keypad, and I'll bring you right on in. Um, we're we're definitely uh, want to engage those. If you guys are fine listening, we're we're fine with you listening. But I definitely want to make sure if you want to have an t- opportunity to speak, that you can. Um, so hey, if you go Sonny. ahead, Sterling, Sonny, yeah. I wanted to ask the 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 uh, caller. Um, where are you? Where were you an officer at? Can you are you willing to uh, share that with oh, us? Doherty County Sheriff Department. Okay, and what, where is that, is that up? Is that near Atlanta? I'm not familiar with it. Yes, ma'am. It's 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 actually about um, an hour and a half outside. We actually okay. uh, there was a DeKalb County Sheriff that we that was my inmate. I transferred him. From okay. from Atlanta down to down to uh, Albany, and, Albany, and Georgia. Because so Sterling, um, but Albany, if Georgia, I'm, now if I'm right a general citizen, now we're we're talking about the law enforcement people here. But as a general citizen, there's is there any checking my mental illness? If I went in to buy a gun, is there? They don't ask me for anything on record about my about my mental condition to purchase a gun. Is that correct? 
That is correct. And no, yeah, you're not yeah, that, that is they correct. They're not going to question her. Okay. They're going to say, we so don't that need I, the visa. Okay, that's so that that's what they're going to ask you. As long as you don't have a criminal background. It's my criminal background if I have one, correct? Never, yes, that is correct. Never mental. There's only nothing criminal. about my mental health. That is correct. No, I, could be, I could have flipped that. I could have flipped that on anything, and and as long as I don't have a criminal background, that is I correct. can go in and purchase a gun today. That is yes. correct. Guys, we have okay, a, a caller I mean, brought in. I, wanna... I understand okay. that they do it to police officers, but it's kind of we're, a lot of this violence is not to put. I mean, we have had a, a, a lot of violence with with officers, but a lot of it is in response to what's going in the general public, and the general public is not being, uh, you know, looked at for their mental illness. That is correct. Right. Caller, I want to make sure we acknowledge you, sweetie. I know we brought you on and you've been sitting there for a few minutes. Can you tell us your name and where you're calling from? Um, this is Pastor LaShawn from Atlanta. How are you? Hey, Pastor Sean. Welcome to Loudmouth Radio. How are you today? I'm 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 doing great. And um, I just wanted to say that, of course, I'm enjoying the, the dialogue from um, all of the persons here. I think I came on at the time when the young lady was talking about um, getting together um, in terms of the marching and having the roundtables and the meetings and, and, and so forth and so on. I, and I, I kind of wanted to address that in this way. Um, is that I totally agree with her in terms of why isn't it that we can get together with him um, as 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 a cohesive unit? Um, for, uh, for example, um, I noticed last week um, or the week before that there was certain there were certain leaders, certain pastors in the city who were invited to meet with the mayor um, uh, in terms of this upcoming um, gay pride situation right after the Orlando shooting. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and then on yesterday, like I said, there were some selective persons who were invited to attend that. Okay. (laughs) And then, and then, and then, and then on yesterday, there were also some clergy persons who were invited to sit at a round table where it was, what time it was. Nobody knows. It just said that these persons have just come out of a meeting. Here's my, here's my problem. To address the issue that the young lady talked about a few minutes ago um, in terms of why can't all of us meet? I'm saying we have venues in this city. You have the Civic Center. You have uh, the Georgia World Congress Center. You have, I mean, mean, we have venues in this city that can hold more than 10 or 12 preachers in it. And I'm saying, or or to hold 10 or 15 um, of our leaders in it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to talk to um, the council person right now um, of where our church is, and it has taken me almost six months to get involved with this, with this person um, in terms of they don't return your phone calls, they don't answer you if they don't know your name. Right. And so my, my, so, so, so my problem is, is that, you know, it, it, you don't have to know my name. We're still, uh, we're still uh, generating revenue. We're still paying taxes in the city. So I'm saying when right. you make a clarion call 
uh, uh, right. uh, to invite people to the table, you invite everybody. There, there, there are no, there are no elitists in this. And I think Absolutely. what happens is, all should be and able I, to have a seat at the table. Uh, oh. Yeah, and I think what happens is the reasons why we see so many, um, so many disjointed marches like the one that's going on today in Centennial Park, and then somebody's having a meeting on Monday in the West End Library, and then somebody's having a meeting, I mean, tomorrow morning at somebody else's church. And I think what happens is is that a sense of urgency and a, 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 a the point of what can I do right now? And so, mm-hmm. and so, when we when we're looking for one person perhaps to lead, I heard some somebody calling out Jakes and Creflo and all those people's names on on Facebook. Are, are we really really looking to them? Really? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying is that that's how we become ingratiated in the problem. Is that we begin to make elitists out of the piece of people who we think will come to the table. There are thousands of right. pastors in this city. I'm I'm one. You may I may not have been a pastor for ten years or twenty I may not have twenty thousand members that but that don't mean I don't know nothing. That's right. And so hey, and that's and, right. And, 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 and myself now because I'm over at my next okay, uh, appointment. So I will catch up with you guys later. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Dr. Danny. Thank you, Danny. Bye. Thank, right. thank you. So 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 there there's a real issue there's a, a, a issue in our community with 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 the separatism, and I posted something yesterday said that 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 leaders and the idea of leaders and separatism still exists within our community because we feel like just because somebody else's name is out there that somebody else is important, and until all of us can be invited to come to the table, they should have a document or they should have a database that says every pastor in this city come we're going to be at the World Congress Center. If you want to come, but at least open it up, give give people the opportunity to say no. And so that's why that's why I believe this is just me. That's why I believe that there, the sense of urgency comes when people feel like, hey, well, I wasn't invited to that. I wasn't invited to this. I mm-hmm. wasn't invited to that. So I'll do it on my own, or I'll do it with people who I can rally to, rally together. Because that's we're true. looking for the big net. We're looking for the big yeah. name, and the big names are not the ones who are doing the talking. That's right. You're right. You're absolutely right. So, 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 that's so a, it's that's all and, they're doing, or that's all they're doing is all right. they are. And so, it becomes right. Not doing so, so it, right. So, it right. becomes. So, it's it's like this, and I told a couple of my people yesterday. I said it's like this. Then I say it's like right in the corner where you are. So, if over there where I am, if I can only address. 10 or 20, that 20 or 20 might can affect another 20 or 30 or 40. So I think that's, I think that's to address what she was saying. And I totally agree with her. You know, call everybody together in the same room. We all got this. We all have the same, uh, we all have the same need. We are all expressing the same emotion. We all want the same results. So you don't isolate anybody. That's just my feeling. I think everybody should be included. We, we, we're dealing with so many different issues that are all harboring under one, one specific, you know, uh, one specific umbrella. The, the issues that we're dealing with is not, issue, is not just an issue of racism, not just an issue of mental illness, it's no. not just an issue of young people dying. It's, it's not just, it's all those things embodied together. They're, they're all one. embodied together. And, you know, one you know? of the wonderful things is just what we're doing here. 
if our leaders would address social media, do we, do we all remember that when Egypt rebelled against the dictator there, it was social media that brought the dictator down? We need, if we can't put people together in a hall or in an actual physical building, is our leaders need to know how to address this online and on social media because 7 million people tuned in to address the issues going on around the world when China was rebelling. The same thing, over a million people were online at one time in Egypt. If we can't get together in a building together, they can obviously have us online, uh, to, like in a sense, speaking our piece. The Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA championship. The NBA championship, Cleveland Cavaliers, which I hate I couldn't be there that week, but the Cleveland Cavaliers had over a million people in downtown Cleveland for their for their rally of winning a championship. It it was announced and within two to three days, a million people. Now, I will say, and you guys can maybe give me a better accurate um, segment of when or where, but I remember it was either after one of the shootings, I think it was in New York or D.C., and D.C. did have a, a large mass of people that marched together um, in D.C. They and did came it in together. Staten Island. They did it in yes. Staten Island, where I'm from, when it happened with, with Eric. There was 50,000 mm-hmm. people around Lake Eola in, in that visual, you know, that right after the shooting in Orlando. You know, and, and, and what, what needs to happen is every single state needs to come together in one specific as area and <laughs> as, as a united front with that state and then communicate with all the other states, and we all kind of come together as a united as a united front, communicate with one another. We can do it via Skype. I mean, people do do that. They can communicate this. How I, how I knew that there was a rally in New York this morning is because all of my friends from New York all called me and said, we're going down to do a protest in New York. So I knew about that, you know. So if, if we were all to come together in our different states and our different places and communicate with one another about what we're going to do for our specific states and our specific places and not to be, you know, exclusive other states as well because it just doesn't make any sense for Georgia to come and all of our leaders to come into Georgia and say this is what we've decided to do for Georgia but the same thing is not happening in California or DC or you know or New York or anywhere else it it makes better sense for us all to come together in our states and and include all the rest of the states as well so that we they can say okay this works for Nevada you know, this is this is what's working in Nevada. Let's see how that can work in in Georgia. Let's see this this might be working in Kansas. Let's see how that's working over here in this state. You know, we 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 have to be able to come together because what's happening is each and every one of the states are doing something different, and with them doing something different, if something like that happened in Atlanta, how do we how do we combat that? How do we make sure that this doesn't I'm gonna happen tell you to us? You're right. Well, look at the Ferguson. Ferguson got to a point. It looked like Vietnam there. I have a large family in St. Louis, Missouri, and it was absolutely frightening 
calling some of my relatives there, and they're telling me that they had huge tanks. I mean, they were out on the street like they were fighting in Iraq against our own people. So there is a significant problem here. You know, we're we're the most ununited United States ever. And this is the thing. People keep talking about President Obama. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And this is when you have to call a charge and say, look, you're not using your voice or your voting power on the local, the regional, the uh, in the state level. You put these people in offices into your city council, into your legislation, your state and in, 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 um, your state representatives, and you wonder why these people are out here aggressively trying to say come out and vote. You think these people are, we you have- know, and it's sad because at the same time, these people who are stepping into these arenas, not all. But many of them, you don't know anything about them until it's time for election. And then they decide, we you know have, what, I'm going to run. So it, it, it's a twofold. We have to start girl, from our local have, levels and up. We well, have like people the orange, that the are... The orange hair dryer, the orange hair dryer, he has not a clue what's going on around our country. He lives in a guilt and, and both here and in, in, in South Florida and in New York and wherever he travels, he lives in a guilted cage that he's created for himself. He has no idea. Orange, what, he has, let me tell you about the orange hair dryer. The orange hair dryer went to my son's college where my son goes to school at, where he may, where he has a 4.0 GPA at in Valdosta. And my son said, you know, I, this is an easy way for me to get out of class. This is what young people think. Oh, easy way for me to get out of class. Donald Trump is over here on, on speaking. We get credit for it. Let me go over here and get out of class and go in here and sit in and see what he has to say. You know what they told him? You're black. You're not allowed in here. And they put him out. They put him out. And he said to him, he called me on the phone. He called me on the phone, and I was at work. And you know how when you're at work, you're a parent. You're a parent plus, a parent first. So he called me at work. He was like, Mom, he said, they just put us out of the auditorium where Donald Trump was speaking. He said, I'm on my way back to my dorm, and there are are people in white uh, Ku Klux Klan outfits walking behind me. Stay on the phone with me. And do you understand the horror as a parent that you have when you're talking to your child who is walking from one side of the campus into his dorm and you're explaining to him, don't look back, look straight, don't, don't, don't make any comments. He was like, well, there's a, there's a news reporter that wants to know, you know, why we're getting kicked out. Don't answer any questions. Pretend like you don't see him. Just continue to walk and get into your dorm so that you are safe and you are, and we don't have to worry about you. He stayed on the phone with me until he got back into his dorm and when he got back into his dorm he was like ma he was like I still have to go to my next class and And let me ask you this I'm going to play now how does that make you feel living in America today that this is your child calling you when you're talking about the, the person running for the highest office in the land scared how does that make you feel scared afraid Afraid for my children, afraid that if I don't take my blood pressure pill and something happens to me, what my children are going to have to deal with if I'm not here. That's what I am. I'm afraid. And my wife I mean, is afraid. 
You have to educate I keep them, saying, is this, is this how, them. I keep saying to myself, is this how the, the general German populace in the 19, late 1920s, early 1930s felt before Hitler came to power in the Nazis? Is this right. how they felt? Just fearful. And they had more, and they weren't like, you know, we, our country, as much as the media wants to sell us and the Republicans want to sell us, that we're, at, we're in a financial, you know, stress point. Germany was in a financial, you know, they, they were still recovering and the world was recovering from the, the Great Depression. America right. is not in that. You know, we all have TVs in our house. We all have cars. We have, you know, we're not in nowhere near. So we're just outright ignoring what is is apparent in our face, Sterling. You're absolutely right. We're telling you about history. We're bringing history up. We're drawing all the same conclusive activities. We're looking like we're still in the 1950s and the 1960s. There was, I can't, I don't know where I posted it, but there was a article that someone posted about Frederick Douglass talking about the celebration of July 4th. And this man wrote this in the 1800s. Everything that he made of indication and of fact and matter is exactly what we're dealing with and facing right now. So it becomes right. a, 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 a well, we have really a, step back funny. and say, what in the oh. hell are we doing? We're not advancing. You know, the you know what it is? is? We're doing the exact same thing as we've done before. It's madness. That's right. <laughs> it's madness. That's right. We, oh, that's getting the same result. Oh. South Pacific is playing on the stage here right now, and there okay. is the music in the in the music in South Pacific. They totally address the fact of color and and racism back when South Pacific was written in the late forties and fifties. We haven't even left that period. Look at how far <laughs> the fact that we, you know, we haven't even left that period that they were singing about it then. That can we get beyond, you know, racism with, and they were talking about Hawaiians and Asians. They weren't talking about, you know, they were talking about, you know, the 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 brown race of the Asian and the yellow race of the those. They weren't talking about the African American and black issue inside of the country in general. They were talking about it in South Asia, you know, in the South Pacific. And but you know but when it went across the country through the theaters, then it was a major issue that they would address that with South Pacific, and that's right. a, you know I mean I, I I mean I'll go online real quick while somebody else talks to see when it was written. But I know that it's that's one of the big issues with South Pacific, and that's a you know it's a classic today. It's a classic. Yeah. And we haven't gotten away. We didn't learn anything back then. <laughs> That's so true. You know, we're still, it's so sad the fact that we have, to me, one of the gracious presidents and family. I mean, you, you know, you look at Michelle and the girls and, and our president, there's no big scandal unless the Republicans make something up about his not having a birth certificate. This is a family that has, you know, has been in the White House and has, and has led with grace and style and class. But you would, but we talk about these people uh, will attack our president like you know it's just any hoodlum down the street. And this, you know, 
and we've lost our civility. You know, we don't talk. I, I don't talk to my neighbor like a neighbor that I actually know and, and love because love thy neighbor. We no longer do that. You know, it's yeah, like I like right. you said, we live in fear. Your sons your sons at college at the higher learning institutes, which we all looked up to many, many years. And he's he's calling his mother in fear. That 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 makes me want to cry. And but you know that, why the campuses are not safe. We've had mass shootings in elementary schools, we've had mass shootings on college campuses. We got we got institutions that's not protecting their own student body and the the, the, the disparity of racial uh, activity is insane. You got uh, swim, swim and football players around here raping people and getting probation, and and then you got uh, you know black athletes and black students being put in prison. It, you know I, the disparities and the inconsistencies is what's drawing the anger, and it makes it fuels even more of an anger uh, when the media tries to downplay or say I don't understand why Americans feel angry or. Or, or, or slavery was in the past and, you know, segregation and all of these things, the unrealism of, rea- of what our real reality is, you know. Um, don't plot, try to play, you know, try to play the game and try to downplay what is really happening. And so moments like these, like this feels like it did with Mike Brown. You know, they, they shot him and the next thing you know, uh, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement came in, and then you're hearing these people on Facebook and calling in and calling into uh, NPR saying they're shooting at us, they're gassing us, and they're they're doing nonviolent protests. So now we, we come to a situation now, you have these two shootings back-to-back. Now you got Dallas where po- police officers are being snipered, you know, and... It, 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 you know, the twist in the media is not helping. And I think, Sterling, you made a point of saying how paid media is controlling the impact. You know, I don't know if it, it almost feels like you have to have this underground railroad of communication and, 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 and solidarity to really right. get the real aspect. I remember when I actually had a contract. Uh, working with AT&T back in 2008 And I had to go to New Orleans I had never been to New Orleans prior to Katrina I had never been prior to that visit And I would never been before You know of course Katrina happening So here I am trying to employ the workforce there And in this process I really was ignorant to the factor of How bad the poverty level was The education of these people that were living there You know the, the conditions of the, of the neighborhood. You know, I had this one one gentleman that put an application in with me, and he was he told me he was a teacher before the, the Katrina storm happened. And I asked him, I said, okay, where'd you go to college or where'd you go to school? And he was like, I don't have a degree. And then he goes on to tell me that he was actually teaching a classroom of, of kids that was like any, as many as 35 to 40 children in his classroom. And you wonder why the education and, and the, the, you know, the why the poverty level is so significantly high. And so these people who were there living there started telling me, let me tell you what was really happening on the ground here, how the, you know, people were shooting at us and not allowing us to get out, how that they were picking people up and taking them and dropping them into Mexico and not allowing them to connect with their families. I mean, a horror story. This is is insane. So we have become prey to only believing what we're seeing, you know, so... 
I got to speak and say right now, I had not really uh, been very verbal in regards to it, even though I have kind of slightly, lightly released it. But, you know, um, I have a project that I have been working on for three years now. And, 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 and that is an actual web series that we'll be introducing on our Loudmouth TV network. And that's that, that actual series is called Still Gray. And it, it deals with social justice issues. It deals with the things and stuff that's going on with us. And I told my wife for a long time as I struggled, and she would work with me and helping me to, to, to put storylines together and, you know, try to, um, you know, rationalize the direction in which I wanted to take the character and the story, that it became very clear that it's a reason why I'm bringing it forth now. Standing in what we're standing in right now, Sterling and, and, and Nikki, how you guys say that, okay, if we're going to, the unfortunate thing, a lot of people are not reading. We're not taking right. the time to look beyond what's being put in front of us. Oh, so, no, reading is you know, totally down. That's terrible. Yeah, so, so and, 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 and I, America I has to, ADHD. <laughs> we forget. Yeah, so I, I, I just realized, you know, my wife has been saying for the longest and for many years, our radio platform and now our TV network platform will be a higher elevation. So I, I can I can show you better than I can tell you. So exactly. it becomes one of those things where we have to be insightfully creative. Um, we have to connect and use our resources, like Pastor Sean said. And I know for a fact what she's saying is true, because as many times Jazzy and I as media, we'll be going to these places in the, in the city, downtown Atlanta. And, and luckily, my wife, who handles a lot of our communications, she keeps our calendar. She, 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 stays, she keeps her ear to the pulse of the ground of the things and stuff that's going on. And, you know, she'll say, okay, we need to go here for the, for, for, um, um, the, the human rights uh, HRC or something here is going right. on at the Human Civil Rights Museum. Okay, this organization is coming forth. Lift Up Atlanta is doing this. You first over here is doing this. For words to action has to be here for this. You know, so if we are not getting the little peak tokens of what's happening, the popularity at large is so blatantly unaware of what's going on. Jazzy and I Absolutely. covered the, uh, the Many Faces One Dream Tour, which was pushed by the Small Business Administration for our, our U.S. government and Sharon Letman Hicks' uh, organization, the National Black Justice Coalition. Three years ago, they came right in our city and held a huge conference for LGBT and minority people of color to be able to find out and know how to get the resources in order for them to get funding and financing in order to put businesses and to mobilize more money into the actual community. And I promise you, we found out and literally, I believe it was the day of, we rushed down there, came into this place, and it's like, okay, why is there not two, three, four thousand more people? Atlanta, as big as it is, especially on the LGBT front, that is not sitting here in this room. So, and, and, and being there, there were some political leaders, there were some church uh, leaders that were there on the panel and part of the discussion, and I'm like, but where are the rest of the folks? You know, at right. that time, the denomination or the, the, the organizational church that we are part of, we were lacking in representation. So I understand fully um, that we'll sometimes fall into these spaces of trying to minimize or eliminate certain people. That's another issue that we got to, to, to overcome. You know, that's what made Jazzy and I connect to Sterling. Sterling met us. We brought an event down to St. Petersburg, Florida. To, to, to provide, you know, the LGBT community a mass wedding ceremony and coming to a unified front about marriage equality. And he recognized, he recognized him in us. So, therefore, he connected with us. 
So I right. believe truly and heartily, I don't know if Pastor Sean is still on this line, but I do recognize that spirit recognizes spirit. So a lot of times Absolutely. when people are not even yoked, when they're not in the connection and they're not in the unified desire and love, we won't connect. We won't go tell our brother and sister, hey, you need to be here. This is something you need to know. This is something you need to be a part of. So a lot of times, you know, I'm sitting back and I'm looking and I'm watching. And I'm like, wow, you know, certain things and certain discussions and certain, you know, there's a friend of mine posted yesterday, there's $1.5 trillion that's being moved around just from the black economical dollar. What was a staggering, um, I believe, uh, Jazz is not on my line. She'd be helping me to back up my statistics. But I remember last year, um, Gregory um, Allen with his Lions Den, I can't think of his group's uh, name, but uh, they did a um, a um, a uh, conference last year doing Pride, and they talked about the economical of, uh, movement of the, of the dollar within different diverse communities. So, for instance, the Asian-American uh, dollar stays in their community for about 30 days, meaning that, okay, I'm Asian, I'm putting my dollar in my community, and it rotates in my community almost up to 30 days before it goes outside of my community. But when it got right. down to, like, the LGBT, it was like minutes. Like, our dollar does not stay in our own community longer than a day. What's wrong with that? You know, we don't even realize we're putting our money and our hard work and earned dollars into organizations or corporations or other entities that, that do don't not even turn support us. And, that don't support us. So we got to do better and be more accountable and, and be more conscious of who we're with, who we're dealing with on a social and an economical level. You know, somebody posted, you want to get the media's attention or you want to get the corporate attention, pull your dollars back. Yeah. Yep. He says, take your money out of the bank and move it. Absolutely. So, and, and then within the black community, uh, six hours, dollars spent in the black community, you know, um, it is so important. Uh, we got some, I actually have, I do apologize. Well, we need, I got some people. I've been on the switchboard, honey. We got some we people have, I need to I bring in the queue. Call, do we have a caller from down in Florida here? We have a caller that's calling in with an LA number, and Amen. I think yes. Greetings in the name of calling from. Okay, greetings in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. My name is Pastor Don Jr. CEO. I'm calling from sunny Las Vegas, and I've been listening to your uh, platform and your healthy discussion. Um, I have a global crew of 200 members on the winning team, and a lot of times we have these healthy discussions, and we all get excited, and after we get excited, that's it. That's as far as it goes. What we're doing is we're going across the radio waves across the digital internet and the media waves and we're going to be on 365 radio shows to make sure that not only we're hearing what's going on in the community but we're listening so that we can go into these communities because we're going to be on a 20 city tour we can go into these communities and teach people how to be business owners and not only how to be business owners how to make the dollar turn 19 to 25 times and the only way we're going to be able to do this is with the right resources and the right leaders getting on deck and instead of trying to get everybody to pull their dollars back we're going to have to go to the Taco Bell the McDonald's we have to organize ourselves to constantly work together there's 15 black 
independent-owned businesses, we drive past to go to the grocery store instead of going to the little convenience store. But it, it, it's all about global, digital equality, and the only way we can do that is meeting people's needs. And the biggest need we have is money, but the reason why we don't have the money, because when the people have the ideals and they get through, they don't open the doors up to bring anybody else back. I have 200 members on the winning team. They're all calling in. They're all doing something different. But the reason why we're supporting your show is if we keep doing the same thing, going on the same shows, we're going to stay in the same situation. So to get Absolutely. something we never had, we got to do something else we never did. I really appreciate y'all, sisters. Y'all are killing it today. I've been taking notes, and um, we're, we're, we're here for y'all. You know what? And we, I pass I, we, do, we, do, we, do, we do try to touch on a lot of subjects. Yes, absolutely. And, Pastor, I have to um, forgive me. I want to make sure I get your name. Um, could you give me your name and the name of your, your, your organization again? Don, Don Jr. CEO. That's D-O-N-J-R CEO as in Chief Executive Officer and the name of our radio station, which has 1.5 million listeners and was syndicated in 23 AM and FM markets. That's Entertainment Worldwide Network. We here to entertain you, DVDs, books, media. We worldwide because we have 200 global minutes. Our members and we network. We don't just talk about it. We work with, we're effective with our resources and we work together to make stuff happen. Absolutely. Congratulations. And are you online? Can you give us our, your website, please? Yes, ma'am. It's E W W N radio, R A D I O dot com. And you can send me okay. an email at Don Jr. CEO at gmail dot com. And my direct number is 818. 818- Three five eight five seven two two, and I, I want to take five seconds real quick. What we're doing now Please has never ahead. been done before. Uh, just like Martin Luther King did the civil rights movement, we're doing it, but we're doing it digital. People can't afford to go three to four hundred miles. We're going to organize marches to go from the west side to the east side. Instead of trying to get people to drive three to four hundred miles, we can walk in our communities. We're going to have an Operation Bright Side where we get the Thug Brothers one day of the week to pick up the trash. Now these things might not seem like it's a lot, but in order to it change the body, you got to start with each individual cell. And then once those cells come together as an organ, then we can have a hand. Then we can have our eyes. And then eyes can't look at the hand and say we don't need the hand. So even though y'all sisters are out here in the vine yard, because we coming in as a team, there is somebody listening. Even when y'all don't hear anybody on the radio, people get up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and they download it. So I say all that to say, with our mission on being on 365 shows, we're going to work together, and what y'all doing, we're going to help y'all. So if y'all go to your Twitters, you can see uh, the rest of the winning team promoting you, pushing you out there, because it's not just about us. It's about us being effective with the resources as a team, and God's going to bring the increase. My name is Don Jr. I'm the CEO of the Entertainment Worldwide Network. We're based in sunny Las Vegas. I really appreciate the time. Don, thank you so much, and I'm going to tell you something. Sterling, you still there with us here? Sterling, you still there, honey? I'm going to tell you, Don, thank you so much. And I'm going to tell you what I love about Yeah, no, I'm here. And, 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 and Sterling is there. He's, Sterling has done radio and TV for a long period of time. And what I will say about our network and that, you know, uh, our belief, uh, Jazzy, I don't know if, um, if you wanted to speak or anything, but for us, we don't have the um, – we're not intimidated to allow other networks, other media outlets, 
you know, we've invited and, and, and we've been on other radio media outlets to, to talk and speak because we all have mm-hmm. our own aspect and we all have our own thoughts. And because we're all individuals, everybody has, has their own different perspective. But at the same Amen. time, like we said, if we're working out of love, there's no reason to shelter you. There's no reason not to give you a platform or a vehicle to allow you to travel. Because at the end Come of the on. day, we all have our own destinies. So I'm so grateful that, you know, I would love to know, how did you find out about us being on air today? Well, what's going on is when I was three months, I was carried into a radio station. My father had a first-class radio license in 1965 when he was 16. So all my life I've been around the entertainment business. I have 12 research interns. What they do is they comb the Internet 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they look for people that need our assistance. What we do is we help you get your logos together, your TV commercial together, your branding together. And once we got, we take you through the winning process, we put you in front of grant writers, loan people, investors. Now, not everything is going to work. Eat the meat, throw away the bone. Whatever you can apply and whatever works with you, we focus our energies, our resources, our team members on that. If it's not working for you, we go and have a contingency plan and sit down and find other things to work. Some rappers are not going to be rappers. They might be better behind the scenes. Some radio people, they can't do the radio day-to-day situation, but if you give them them a briefcase and send them door-to-door, they can go out and sell. So what we do, like they did in Motown, we teach you how to walk right, talk right, look like a million so you can receive a million, and once you get those million resources, we want you to share them and make sure that people, kids, kids, kids can eat. So it's not about one person just winning. We're all a winning team and we're a body, an organization. If the head say, I don't need the feet, we can't walk to into the millions. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, Don, I got you covered here. I want to thank you again for sharing your, your views. And also, we want to make sure we got quite a few people that is on the air um, that is actually listening in, and we want to invite you to speak. If you do, if you do want to speak, you just hit the one on your keypad. Today we've had a, a plethora of conversations, and I thank each and every one of you guys for, for sharing your views. We're going to cut to a quick commercial break, and we're going to come right back because we are live on Loudmouth Radio. You're listening to the Loudmouth Radio Network. Are you ready for the best pizza, wings, subs, salads, desserts, and more? Stop by Pizza Day at 5248 North Henry Boulevard in Stockbridge, Georgia, open seven days a week. Contact us for your daily lunch and dinner specials. You can like us on Facebook at It's a Pizza Day. Also, make sure you visit our website at itsapizzaday.com and order online. Delivery is also available, and if you haven't heard, let them know that you heard this on Loudmouth Radio. Extreme Fun on Wheels brings the ultimate gaming experience right to your front door. Have you guys ready to play some video games? Yeah! Come on in. Our luxurious little style theater on wheels features seven widescreen, high-definition TVs, surround sound, and multiplayer gaming excitement. Up to 20 players can play at one time in our inside gaming theater with the ability for eight more on our outside monitors. We have all the latest titles for Xbox 360, Wii, and PlayStation 4. Extreme Fun on Wheels mobile gaming unit is perfect for your birthday parties, school events, tournaments, fundraisers, and tailgating. Book online now at ExtremeFunOnWheels.com. All 
Are you an established salon professional looking to have your own independent salon in a prestigious atmosphere? Do you want total creative control over your space? Well, it's time to think outside of the salon. Get away from all the politics of the typical salon setting and establish a business that you can truly call your own. Write a Universal Salon Suites at 1210 Fowler Street, right in Midtown Atlanta. We'll allow you the opportunity of individual privacy and financial and creative freedom. Whether you're a startup, expanding your business, Universal Salons has a solution to suit your needs. Make sure you visit us online at universalsalonsuites.com. You're listening to the Loudmouth Radio Network. All right, guys, we're back live, and I know we have a caller in queue that has been very patient and want to bring the caller in. I see you have a uh, Arizona prefix to call you live on Loudmouth Radio. Yes, uh, this is DP, the Prophet. I'm calling on behalf of the winning team, Don Jr. Um, yeah, I was listening in uh, some of the things you were speaking on as far as uh, the community and everything coming together. Uh, to give you a background on who I am and what I do, um, I'm a recording artist. I also own a record company called Desert Fam Entertainment, production company Desert Fam Productions, graphics company Desert Fam Graphics, music magazine with a business partner, Keith Price. Um, we just started that about four months ago, and last month uh, we accumulated about 87,000 views. So it's growing exponentially definitely something that, you know, you guys probably want to take advantage of, maybe become a part of, have an article done up or something like that. Then we also have a Celebrity H2O. And the main thing that we've got going on that I think would definitely apply to this situation, this conversation, and this topic would be um, the fact that we have a mentor program called the One-on-One Mentor Program. So what we're currently doing is starting it out in Hawaii, And it's based out in Hawaii. And what we've done is through contacts we've had through a previous uh, venture called Barber Talks, we accumulated a lot of connects with a lot of different people up in the entertainment industry, up in sports, and basically general business and leaders within the industry of their field, whether it be up in medicine or what have you. So through those connects, we've been able to establish a mentor program for at-risk kids. That way these kids can see that no matter what your background is, no matter what race you are, no matter what adversities you're going through, as long as you stay stay determined and you make a commitment to yourself, that there is a way for you to be able to make it. You just have to stay within faith of whatever religious faith you have and keep moving. Okay. Well, listen, I want to thank you guys. I know that um, I want to make sure, um, you know, we we, we try to stay as close to the conversation as possible. I don't I don't have a particular problem with you guys sharing, you know, a lot of the aspect of what you guys are doing uh, from the business perspective. But I do want to make sure we actually are, you know, administering our conversation towards a lot of the topics that we're doing today. And, you know, um, I will on the sidebar, I actually have you guys' information. I've sent out a request um, on Facebook to Don on on, uh, on his Facebook page. I see you guys have been retweeting our contents and context. So I want to minimize some of the um, promotional aspect so much because we do actually have a show that we do, um, allow for entrepreneurs to come on to totally have a you know a full platform to talk about you know the overall aspects of business, but for the most part, 
Um, I, I still thank you guys for taking the time to reach out to us, you know, from Vegas, from, you know, Arizona, from the West Coast, because it does take us to come together, um, you know, in regards to uh, reform. Yes. So I, I'm just going tell me your name again. Tell me your name again. I go by uh, DP the Prophet. DP the Prophet. Okay. So DP Correct. the Prophet. I, I want to thank you guys. What I'm going to, you know, share with you guys to do, please visit our website at loudmouthradio.com, which is with two Ds, and we do have a contact page. So if you would, because um, a part of me, I'm kind of uh, I'm catching a lot of what you're saying, but at the same time, I do see we have some people that are saying some things on social media that want to, you know, really talk about a lot of the conversation um, of right, what we've been dealing with today. Yeah, speaking on gun police brutality, mental illness, and political. Yeah, but at the same time, right. you know, the the organizations, the um, the programs that you guys are doing are extremely important. And so, if you would, you know, do us a favor, normally because um, we don't have so, we only have so much more time like to speak. Yeah, I was going to say if you could go to our website, we have a contact page, and you go ahead and just kind of drop some of those things into our contact page. But I'm gonna thank you for being a part of our conversation. So I'm going to just put, tell you, you can hold on and listen. I'm going to go ahead and grab another call because i got people throwing their hands up quickly to speak. So thank okay. you, DP. Thank you, Don, for being a part of our conversation. You guys can just stay and listen to us if you like. Um, I want to go ahead and bring in our next caller. You're live. Uh, we're live on Live Out Radio. You can say your name and where you're calling from. Hi, Sonny. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Hey, hey. Hey, this is Tao in Atlanta. How are you doing? Hey, sweetheart, how are you? Welcome to Lime Up Radio. Speak, brother, what's on your mind? Madness, madness is on my mind. This this whole climate is insane. And the thought that's been ringing through my head, you know, all week is where is the hope? And I think I'm going to do a video about this later. Because there's so much, there's so much illness you know, in the world, this is this is mental, this is emotional, this is spiritual illness, and it's really consuming us. So, where do we find the hope to combat this? And for me, exactly. I realize the hope is that I'm, I'm alive right now. I'm breathing. I woke up this morning. I take hope from that. I take hope in the sun shining today, the little things. I see kids outside playing. These kids are the future, as we always say. So I think we have to take a step back and not let this entire climate consume us and see that life is still happening. And as long as life is still happening, there is still hope. Yes, it is. We've got to kind of go online, don't we? That that's tied to open up the Okay. Okay. Stay right there with us, sweetheart, because I'm gonna allow this other person to also speak and and um, know that what you're saying is not being unheard and unfelt, and you have all right to feel exactly what you're feeling. <laughs> and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna let this caller come in and she say something to to help our brothers and sisters on this line to deal with this grieving process that we're feeling today. Tell us your name and where you're calling from. This is Marcus calling from St. Pete. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Hi, Hey. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I I, I do want to say uh, thank you to Loudmouth Radio, first of all, for uh, even, you know, we, we get so bottled up with emotions and we get so tensed up and we want to kind of, you know, uh, vent our anger somewhere. But I, I thank you for having a platform for and allowing us to vent 
you know, whether it be anger or hope, encouragement, or whatever it may be, I just thank you for allowing opening up the platform for us all to just come in and vent and, and let it out. But uh, my some of my thoughts on uh, what I, over the weekend and what was over the past couple of days, what I've seen, it's just, uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not the kind of person to watch, I can't watch videos, graphic videos, but I can read and I read into, you know, some of the storylines of what's out there. And I'm with the last caller as far as what, what can I, what do I have to grab onto? Because you got a situation where a young guy was complying with the law and he, and he still lost his yes. life. And, and the one thing I can kind of hold on to is just that glimmer of hope that, you know, I'm, I, I'm living, I'm alive, I'm breathing, my children are alive, they're breathing. Uh, the best thing I could do is just is just try as, as far as, stay far away from anything that can get me involved with the law because you just don't know. In today's time, you don't know if you can lose, you don't know if you'll lose your life by getting pulled over. A simple tail light, you know, can get you lose your life behind it. And um, I, I, I'm a little... I'm a little scared in in a way, not not to the point where I don't want to, you know, and, and get myself involved with law enforcement. But I think this is what they're trying to do. To me, I believe this is part of their tactic, is to drive fear into the hearts of men. And 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 this isn't the first time they killed a man in front of his child. So I think they're also right. trying to drive fear into the hearts of our children and say, hey, look, we ought to be respected. Of course, it becomes, we are it becomes a genetic. It becomes a genetic trauma. Exactly, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Right. So my 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 focus right now, even with all of this, and I always try to save my opinion. That's why I thank you guys for allowing this open to open up. Uh, my focus right now <laughs> is just hanging on that little bit of hope that man, I still got my kids, my my kids. It's just trying to provide the positive things. You know, people say don't don't give me. I don't want to hear praying. I don't want to hear go to the Bible. I don't want to hear all that stuff. People don't want to hear it. So I, all I could do in a time like this is normally what I do is write write to it. I write poems. And my words may not be somewhat tangible like a product you buy, but they do provide encouragement. And that's what I kind of do to help out in these times right now. Well, and, and Marcus, uh, Marcus, for Sterling, the people we do have that another call too. You, Marcus. <laughs> oh, we have another call. And we don't yeah. want to lose our caller that we were talking to before Marcus. Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. still there? Tay, are you still there, honey? I see you in the queue. I'm still here. Okay. Okay. Well, we're, we're, we're just a big happy party here, and I think we have another girl, a female friend ahead, of mine, honey. coming in, too. She's live. You're live on Live Off Radio. You can feel free to speak in. Hi. Tell us your name and where you're calling Hi. from. Hi. My name is Eden Dominic, and I'm calling from St. Pete, Florida, and I've hey, been friends Saint with Pete. Sterling for 25 years plus. I'm not that old. What are you talking about? Right, right, right. <laughs> we were friends. You know what, guys? I want to tell me your name again, sweetie. I missed it. My name is Eden, E-D-E-N, like Garden of Eden. Eden. Oh, that's pretty. Welcome, Eden. Eden. Thank you. Thank you. Um, first of all, I wanted to say to you, thank you so much for sharing about your partner and what your personal struggles are. I think that that is so lovely that you're putting it all out there because I really feel like it's going to help some people. Yes, yes. And so I want to say thank you to you for that. And my reason for calling is I have a young child also, and, you know, I 
I'm having kind of a hard time dealing with all these situations in regards to my daughter and what do I tell her? How far do I, what, how much do I tell her? Cause I want to protect her, but I also want her to have her eyes open as well. Marcus, you have a young, uh, 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 Eden's child, a young, like your, your children. And I mm-hmm. know that uh, I, I would think you may be able to comment on that where, um, I don't have children. I have stepchildren. Uh-huh. Oh well, um, when I look at when I look at my son and my uh, my daughter, basically, and, and I'm I'm a man of I'm a man of action most of the times. I do try and talk to them, but I always tell them that you know look at them and say, hey, just follow me. Just just kind of you know if I'm setting that example for them, I, I'm pretty much might. I don't. I feel I don't have to explain as much because I'm setting the the tone and I'm setting the bar for them to kind of follow. I'm being in that. I'm being that example. I'm being that glimmer that they need to see that light that they need to see and follow. So they say. So they don't have to really much ask questions. All of them will ask questions and say, "Why is this happening?" And I, you know, my my response to that is just that some people are just bad people, and and you can't change hearts of you can't change some people who are just bad people and. And in that situation, I just try to keep myself away from bad people, so that way they don't—they know not to affiliate themselves with bad people as well. Because some people, you—you you, you just cannot—you can't change what's in their heart. You know what I mean? I I agree. I I feel like being an example is is a very good thing. Like after what happened in Orlando, and I I had a day where I had a hard time getting out of bed, and she knew mommy was really sad. And it was hard to explain it to her, but but she kind of got it. And then I got out of bed because I had to show her that when things happen, you just have to keep going and give her hope, you know. Yeah, and see, I'm, I'm a mom. I, I'm a mom. I have three. I have three sons and one daughter. And with 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 us being parents, we realize we've we've realized that we have to be so transparent with our children and so honest with our kids because the things mm-hmm. that they're they're seeing they're seeing outside of us they're asking us mm-hmm. questions not because they don't know they're asking us questions because they want to see how transparent and how honest we can be to them and let them know exactly what's going on in the world so mm-hmm. I'm very raw right. when it comes to my I'm very raw when it comes to my children I have a son that's mm-hmm. in the reserves but he's also a full-time student at college um, I, I have a son who wanted to become a police officer but he 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 suffers from you know depression and you know and I had to explain to him that this forum and this platform is not for him because he would be just like you know this these other cops that are out there in this world that that are operating from a place of fear you know I have mm-hmm. a daughter who's going to become the first um, the first forensic um, attorney here in, in our area and she's going to law school right now and with her That's doing awesome. that I have to I have to kind of you know not shield them but to be very raw with the in explaining to them on what the things are going on in the world so that they can prepare themselves because there's one thing that that I took away is one thing that I took away from my children that I shouldn't have, and that's that I shielded them because I was a police officer for so long. I shielded them with the things of life, and I kind of did them an injustice because they had all of the book sense but no common sense. 
So, right. So, as, right. so as they started, so yeah, as they you started must to be, honey, you must be doing something right because I I think you can be very proud of everything you've said about your children. Is they look like they're going in some direction. I will say that. So you ought to be. Yes. I I will say you should be very proud of yourself. And that in that sense, it sounds it sounds good Absolutely. to me. Uh, I'm 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 proud of them, but also, uh, and but also, and that is a double-edged sword, because they because they've been taught so much as far as law enforcement and things like that, they can become a little arrogant, because they know the right. law. Like my my son can be pulled over by a police officer today, and he knows that there are certain things that he doesn't have to allow that police officer to do. He doesn't have to allow them to go into his vehicle. All he has to do is show him his registration, get his ticket, and keep it moving. He knows that that's all he has to do because his mom's taught him the law. You know, my daughter knows that if she's driving my vehicle and she gets pulled over by a cop and they run my, they run my license plate, the first thing is going to show that I used to be a police officer. She knows that. So, so to an to a degree, there's a little bit of a double-edged sword because it becomes where our kids are still they they can become a little arrogant, you know, because they know the law and arrogance right. doesn't right. save a soul. But you don't know, you think that where, where I said that my my stepchildren, I I said I had stepchildren. They're all they're like fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. And right. I find that they're all, I mean, there's a part of them that they have such an entitlement to knowledge, Absolutely. to information, to about everything in the world today. I mean, to, to tell them that it's something that they don't need to know, that that's for adults or any of that, they, they don't buy that anymore. You can't tell a child today no, no. that no. that's the same way. That's the same way in church, you know, for, for, for a minister or a preacher to stand in front of their congregation and tell them, not only have I never done anything, I've walked on water since the day that I was born. Those people were looking at, it, looking at that minister or that <laughs> preacher in church and saying, you, you're so far from, from the truth, <laughs> the truth ain't in you. You know, and it, and it and it, what it does for our young people is it brings them to a to a light of despair because they're like, you know, it's kind of like my my kids are like they've they've always grew up with two moms. They don't know anything different. And somebody asked them how does it how does it feel to have two moms? And and all of my kids are looking at them. How does it feel not to have two moms? <laughs> you know? Exactly, exactly. You know. You know. Yeah, if children don't, I mean, it's so interesting to me because my art, obviously, um, I mean, Sonny knows this, but you may not know, as ours have two fathers, so, you know, the same thing, they, they, that part of the world is very, they accept that, like, instantly as their world, for them to see it. For them to see it any other way is unusual to them. But they do, in some ways, they feel entitled to information, and they Absolutely. and they definitely they definitely feel entitled to things. And, and we have it. And the reason why, and the reason why they feel entitled to information is because society society feels like this. First of all, you know, my, my kids, and, and Sonny will be an attest to this, my kids believe in right. reading books. 
they don't do Kindles. They don't do, they don't do, you know, they, they believe in reading books. I remember when President Obama got elected and I, and I was, you know, jumping around to my boys and I was like, see, now you guys have no excuses. You guys could be president and this, that, and the third, and I'm just going on and on. And then one of my sons, my middle son, the one that's actually in the Army, he looked at me and he said, Mom, he said, President Obama's not the first black president. He said, you didn't read about it? And he shut me up. And he said, he was like, I'm going to tell you, he said, I can tell you a, a little bit about the, the first black president. It was a, a man named John. And he went into some books and started opening up the books to read to me, to show me that Obama wasn't the first, it wasn't the first, he was the first elected black president, but not the first black president. So that was something that I learned from my own children, you know, that, okay, there's all right, well, then there was no excuse before then, you know, as parents. So we, right. we, we have to be able to, to give our kids not only the platform to learn, but even in their learning, we have to show them that there's still some humility in there. You know, there's, yeah. I know, you know, I know that my son has, my son has been stopped time and time again because he's a speed racer. He loves to speed. Well, he has a sports car. He was 17 years old, bought his first sports car. He loves it. He's a speeder. He does it. Um, but he also, um, with him being uh, speeding down, you know, in Cordell, Georgia, and getting pulled over by a cop who called him boy three times, he was like, Ma, he said, I really wanted to say so many different things to me being pulled over by this cop. I said, well, what did the cop do? He said he gave me a ticket. I said, thank you, Lord. I said, how much is the ticket? He said, $300. I said, we'll pay it. Uh-huh. He was like, why are you okay with paying this $300 is worth ticket? more than your life. I told yeah. him, I said, I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation, but I want you to stop speeding. <laughs> you know, I want yeah. you to, I don't want you to keep testing waters, but that, that, that was one situation. Then I had another situation with one of my sons whose car broke down in, in Penn City, Alabama, you know, on a dirt road where there was no one, no people of color, nowhere around. And the police officer said, hey, boy, I'm going to have to take you in if, you know, if somebody don't come tow your car. And there was some Caucasian people that lived up at the top of the hill that walked down because they never seen black people. And they, they seen my son, and they rendered him assistance. They brought him into the home. They fed him. They let him use my phone, his phone, their phone, so that he could call me because his phone went dead. These are people that – there are people out in this world that are actually good-hearted. We just don't find them a lot. And so for some right. reason, this, these children that I, that I board happen to be covered by something more, something bigger than me, to be in a different state, to be in a different area, to be in a different country and have people to just lend their assistance. You know, I've had my nieces who decided they wanted to backpack across Europe and do couch surfing. You know, they were couch surfing. In, in, in 2016, we would never do any couch surfing. That's going to someone's house that you never well, met that's, before. Well, that's what we you got know, now. About. It's, called, it's called Airbnb now. So, guys, I want to give everybody a moment to just, Take a moment real quick And I want to allow um, A second here I believe that um, Jazzy is uh, Wanting to speak um, So babe if you're if you're in that position And you want to say something Go ahead ah, Hello everybody Hey hello. Jay So I'm going to need to be calm Because y'all already know That I may cry at any moment but I had to come on, or I felt compelled to come on because there were so many, so many topics, so many points, so many 
good things when the pastor called and said how he was supporting not only our radio network, which means a lot, but the support of the community, as many of you know, that is so near and dear to me that we come together and that we make a difference and that we touch the lives of the people that we see and those that we don't know. And so for all of this to be happening, unfortunately for me, in a mental space that's really pretty fragile, it's heavy. And so when people are saying, where is the hope? How do we cope with it? What do we tell our children? Um, We're talking about young children. We're talking about adult children. My adult um, sergeant in the Army is saying, Ma, I'm scared. I served 12 years in the military and you know the bad guys were the overseas guys and I come home to watching all of the brutality and I am afraid so I think it is not one of those situations where it's just young children it's children it's people it's black people of course we're being the targets right now but it's gay people it's white people it's Indians it's Muslims and I think What we all have to do is when we're saying all lives matter, that is absolutely the truth. But in the inclusion of all lives, the ones that are being targeted right now, the voices coming louder from the black lives matter, the brown Mm -hmm. lives matter. Um, And so I think it's very relevant that we pay attention to how we are truly feeling. As many of you know, I just came out of a mental institution I broke down from the weight of all of this and then my own um, personal struggles and challenges living with this beautiful mind that I have that takes on the entire world's pain, the entire community's joys, the entire everything. I'm a filler. And so, therefore, when the earth is upset and when the family and the community is upset, I feel it all. So having said that, My coming on today, one, was to push past the anxiety to come on today to let everybody know, one, thank you so much for loving me, for accepting me, and for lifting me, specifically me up. But I represent the whole. I represent those that are mentally challenging um, daily to stay alive, to stay focused, to stay clean, to stay you know, detox to say all of the things that the mind has shut down and made you feel like you want to do, whether that be trying to kill yourself. Most of us that say that we want to kill ourselves, we don't want to kill ourselves. We just don't want to hurt. And it is so much hurt going on that if, like the pastor called and said, if we do not go from the south side to the north, if we don't go from the east side to the west in our own communities, We can forget about it. Seriously. We can forget about it. And we don't need to forget about it because everybody's life, including brown and black people's lives, matter. It really does. It's not a cliche. It's not just a statement. We're raising young children to say, get along, share your tools, share your space, be nice to one another, use your manners, do all those things, and then we allow the, the, the world's pains to inflict us, as uh, Dr. Danny and uh, Nikki were saying, 
earlier in law enforcement, I started out great. But then the, the weight of the community, the weight of the disparity, the weight of all of the things that affect us has now got me so bogged up and I have no release and I'm not able to go to a group session because it's not cool to go talk about mental challenges. It's not cool to say I feel overworked and I feel stressed and I feel scared for my life and I feel scared for my children's life. It's not cool to have therapy. It's not cool to talk about mental illness. None of that is cool. So I'm so bottled up and now I'm on the wrong side of the badge. I'm on the wrong side of this gun because now I'm messed up. So it's important that we stop. It's important that we say this is what I'm feeling. Don't tell everybody how to feel. I feel this. I feel hopeless. I feel pain. I feel afraid. I feel that. Okay, so and now know that, that it's I'm, okay. And know that it's okay and that I'm able to get that out. I'm able to say this is how I'm feeling. But in the process, the community wraps around you and says, what do we need to do? When I was in the hospital, I was in the hospital for four days after saying I'm broken and I need some help. I was in the hospital in a room for four days, worse than my mental prison. So now you have mental prison, mental stress, and then you have a wall and a, and a, and a prison-like environment, and you're treated like a prisoner instead. Of, mind you, didn't do anything to anybody. I wanted to do something to me, but I didn't even do anything to me. But yet I'm in a hospital being held for four days until I can get into a mental facility to deal with not the, not, not the prison-like action, which I didn't do, but just to deal with the behavior. And where is my stresses? The Orlando shooting shut me down. I didn't realize how bad it affected me, but it did. And I know that it has affected a lot of people. These latest shootings have affected now another group and another group. And until we really rally around the truth, one, of mental illness and how it affects us, how to be retrained from the, from the bad side to the, to the regular layperson side, we are all going to continue to feel this. So tell your children. Tell your children, be honest with your children, how are you feeling? How does this make you feel? What's going on with you when you feel this? How, what would you do? Tell, allow your children to tell you what they would do to make this world better. Because children have a simplicity and an explanation that will change the world if we stop. There was a parable that says, unless you come to me as a child, like this little child, you can't even come to me. Unless you have a simple platform to say, check in, get some help, get in a group, come on the radio, talk. We open up the airways every week or whenever we have special editions, and we say, call so you can talk about it. Call so you can talk about it because holding it in and being so full Mm -hmm. of whatever you're full with, If you don't get it out, you can't get the help. So all I'm saying is pay attention to how you're feeling. Pay attention to the doctors. We had a whole segment about doctors who are – who are abusing people in in the in the hospitals, and I guess we'll post it, and maybe we'll talk about it later. But it's, you know, the people who are helping us. We're going to the police to be protected, and we're being brutalized. 
we're going to the doctors to be helped and we're not being helped properly or we're being used and abused. So we have to make sure that within our own communities and the communities abroad, from Words to Action went to 18 states, our organization, my own organization, 18 states to help those that were hurting. Why did I have to come across the state to help when it's somebody in that area? So reach out into your community so that people will not feel broken. Continue to do mentorships. Continue to call and check in. And sometimes, guys, I can't talk, but text me. Hey, Jazzy, just checking in. You know, so let's be accountable to one another so that our communities can heal. That's all I wanted to say. I love you all. Keep me in prayer. It's up and down, but I'm going to, I'm going to make it because I got a loving community. Guys, we are right at the end of our show. And I think I want to thank you, Jazzy, for sharing and and having the, the strength to come on and speak in such a heavy topic and you know, I know that the Facebook and, and social media is a big tool for you, and I know you've had to ignore a lot of the violence and things that have been going on. So, guys, as I conclude these last 20 seconds, I'm going to tell everyone to stay connected, stay in love, and reach out to the next person on the, alongside of you and try to be accountable for not only your actions, but encourage them to monitor theirs. And uh, this has been an amazing show. We thank you guys for tuning in. Yes, we do. Thank you, guys. I love you, Jazzy. Happy birthday, Eden. Thank you.
You're listening to the Loudmouth Radio Network.